0: Are Locked on NBA, your daily NBA podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network,
1: your team every day.
0: What's up, and welcome to another Monday edition of Locked On NBA. The biggest stories with the local experts. I'm your Monday host, Jackson Gatlin, also host of Locked On Rockets, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, we're joined by Cyrus Satsas from Locked On Warriors to discuss the entirety of the Draymond Green Jordan Poole situation out in the Bay Area, how the Warriors choose to navigate this Draymond Green situation, and has Draymond played his last game as a member of the Golden State? Warriors. Then we'll be joined by Raphael Barlow from Locked on NBA Big Board to discuss Scoot Henderson versus Victor Winbayama, the two exhibition games played last week between the top two consensus prospects of the 2023 NBA draft. What stood out watching those two guys play? All of that and more coming up in today's episode. As always, we appreciate you for making Locked on NBA your first listen each and every day. We are free and available on every single podcast platform, including YouTube. Joining us now, courtside from the Bay Area <laughs> is Cyrus as host of Locked On Warriors. And Cyrus appears to be in good spirits. We'll see how long that lasts as we kind of <laughs> navigate all the news that has just been plaguing the Warriors over this last you know week or so. The news that came out midway through last week, there was, you know, a physical altercation in practice with Draymond Green, yeah. Jordan Poole, the initial reports kind of coming out, uh, every, you know, a lot of people trying to downplay this situation. the situation severity of it all and then friday is when the storm really started where the leaked video footage comes out and we see just how physical this altercation really was with draymond green loading back and throwing a punch at jordan pool so cyrus first off what was your initial reaction to the news and then how did the leaked footage make you reassess the overall situation
2: um before the before the leaked footage i thought it was a an open and shut case um I mean, you know, I like Hall of Famer Rick Barry, who I do a lot of work with. Like he said, he's never seen a punch in his life in a practice. But then you get different perspectives. Chris Childs, former New York Knicks and Raptor, he said he's seen it a bunch. Um, Kwame Brown came out and said he's seen it a bunch. So it's just it just depends on your perspective. Like Steve Kerr said, uh, in 32 years being in the NBA as a player and coach, he's seen a 20 plus punches thrown during practice. So w- when you hear that stuff, it's like, all right. So it's it's. Well, like, what Steve
0: forgot to mention is it, all twenty of them were thrown by Michael. No, I'm yeah, kidding.
2: <laughs> all, yeah, uh, But so you know, when you hear that, it's it's not really out of the norm. But then you see that video, which is just ugly. It looks awful. Um, and look, right now, I, I feel like I normally have a good finger on the pulse of the Warriors. Um, you know, I, I I'm lucky to have like you know a decent amount of connections with this team and. And no one knows what's going to happen. That's the craziest part. I, I've not really experienced this before where it's it's a complete mystery. No one can really uh, instinctively tell you what's going to happen. It's almost like it's a 50-50 shot. Either Draymond will get through this um, and, you know, the team will forgive him. Uh, the public, I've never seen Dub Nation this upset with them. Like, there's a lot of members of Dub Nation who are just done with them. A lot. It is not a small number. Uh, you know, I, I'm curious to know if they took a poll, like how what percentage would say, Let's move on. I mean, because that was just a horrible look. I mean, that was a really hard punch that I think Jordan Poole was very lucky not suffering a serious injury from. Um, You know, uh, so we're going to find that a lot more in a week or in this next week because either Draymond Green will either be traded or or just waived. I mean, that's even a possibility, too. I don't think that's going to happen, though, but this is definitely the beginning of the end, and it makes it a lot easier for the Warriors to cut ties given Draymond has peaked. Um, You know, that back injury of his is serious. It's not something that's ever just going to go away. Um, You know, we saw we've seen a regression between measurables, between the fact that he had like three legitimately bad NBA Finals games last year where you don't normally see that from Draymond. So you're seeing uh, signs of a drop off in his play. He's still a premier defender, premier player, but he's not the same that he was. Um, ultimately, I think what this comes down to is going to be uh, Stephen Curry, who's always had his back the most. And this is the first time Steph has ever not been, like, enthusiastically, uh, positively getting Draymond's back. Usually, like, he's first to be in defense of his longtime teammate. Um, Draymond's like a security blanket for him. This time, he's just kind of, you could tell he's agitated. He's not staying much. Um, so if Steph decides that his tongue to move on, I think he's gone. Um, but if Steph continues to defend him, you know, it remains to be seen, but it's just ugly, man. There's just no way to spin it. And, and what really Mars this the most, and I'm sorry to be long winded here. I'll finish up with this. Uh, the, the Warriors first game is October 18th, which is just around the corner. It's really crazy. It's a week from Tuesday and it's ring night. And this was supposed to be like a really celebratory moment. You know, Draymond Green is, is a vital part of this dynasty. He's been there for all the four championships and now, I mean, the, the, I feel like common sense would dictate you suspend him um, given, for what he did. Uh, but how do you suspend him and have him not be a part of ring night? It, there's, it's, it's, it's weird, man. I don't know what to tell you about it. I don't think anyone knows right now, if, especially those who are outside of the locker room. Uh, Kevon Looney came out and said he has not spoken to Draymond Green yet personally. Um, and he's also said that, that Draymond will have to earn the trust back of the team. And these are words that you you've never heard before. Draymond has gotten in trouble before, but you've never heard his teammates come out publicly and say they've lost trust in him. So we'll see, man. How how
0: concerning is it when you kind of when you're thinking about the video footage, right? That this this had to have been something that there was some buildup here, right? That there had to have been some words being thrown back and forth, all that kind of stuff, and it. It really didn't, you know, nobody made an attempt to really stop Draymond, right? In the lead up to it, there was some buildup. And I know it happened very, very quickly, right? Draymond yeah. walks over to Pool, Pool shoves him away, and then Draymond loads up the punch. But just in all of that, right, I don't know if maybe other guys had just, you know, tuned him out. But they were very clearly, like, going back and forth verbally in the buildup to that moment.
2: Yeah, and, and that's one thing that Draymond complained about is that uh, the audio of the recording wasn't included of the, in the league. Uh, which seemed to imply that maybe, like, if he had heard it, it wouldn't seem as bad. But whatever, Ron Adams was the only one that seemed to be fully aware of what was going on because you saw him tailing Draymond as Draymond was walking over to Jordan Poole. But look, Jordan Poole and Draymond, um, they're both like really type A vocal leaders of the team. They butted heads before, but they've also both expressed admiration for each other. I will tell you this, though. Um, I've had sources tell me that behind the scenes, Jordan Poole has not forgiven draymond they haven't spoken uh, and they're not i mean he's not happy i mean i don't know how you could be it's a horrible look it was uh i mean the images of the image of it is awful it's borderline demasculating um so i don't know man this is just one of those things i don't i rarely say i don't know to you or to anyone you know when it comes to the warriors i don't know what's going to happen here it's not a good look Um, But I'll tell you this, the Warriors are very happy with their youngsters who at some point are going to replace Draymond. And I'm referring more specifically to Jonathan Kaminga and James Wiseman. Um, And maybe their time is just going to have to get accelerated in terms of taking over that role. Coming
0: up, we continue navigating the Draymond Green Jordan pool situation with Cyrus from Locked On Warriors but first, a quick message from our friends over at LinkedIn. Because look, these days, every single new potential hire can feel like a kind of like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's so Easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn jobs and then all you have to do is add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the ideal candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And continuing on here at Locked on NBA Monday, we are free and available on all podcast platforms. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, wherever you get your pods. You can listen to this very show. We're also on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search up Locked on NBA. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. I, I do want to hear a little bit about uh, Wiseman and Kaminga just, you know, as we, you know, in, in a moment though, as we're kind of navigating the, the Draymond situation. This is the other part of this whole story, Cyrus, is what do you make of the people who are kind of villainizing the, the individual who leaked the practice footage? Because it seems like there's, the, you know, there's a divide there too where some people are like, well, no, it was great that he leaked the footage because now we actually know what happened. And then there are others who are just like, man, like, you know, we got to keep that stuff in house. Like, because again, everything that we saw before the video footage was leaked was trying to kind of put a hush hush on this, and really, right. I mean, even Andre Guddala coming out and saying, "Oh, it's it wasn't serious, like it was nothing." So, uh, you know, what do you think about people kind of show, you know, using him, whoever him or her, whoever leaked the footage, and kind of villainizing that person?
2: I, I think it's justified, just in the sense that I think regardless of the organization, you don't want um, you don't want your security to be compromised. Um, those practice videos are very esoteric, meaning they're not supposed to be seen by the public. They're used primarily for coaches to monitor players and practice to, to evaluate them, to maybe see who's snoozing and not giving their all because it covers all angles of the court. Um, one very interesting thing in this. Um, I, I don't even know if I'm supposed to really say this publicly, but I guess I, I, it should be okay. I, I hope is that um, it isn't just the warriors that have access to that video. Um, the NBA also has access to that video. So there's a very strong possibility. Yeah, apparently, yeah, this is not a well-known thing, but apparently, like, the the, the network that these videos are on are streamed to the network, to the NBA offices, I'm sorry. So it's very possible the leak came from there. Um, but regardless, I know, which is crazy, but regardless, um, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't blame the Warriors players and, and the coaches for being upset about, about the leak because – you do want to keep these things in in house, you know, and you do want to have trust in your organization. I mean, I mean, look at this whole building right here. I mean, this is supposed to be like, uh, you know, an a, an organization. The Warriors advertise themselves as being a family, and all of a sudden now there's their trust issues. So you know, but never mind the fact that the, the punch was ugly. Never mind the fact that maybe it should have gotten out. Um, I still maintain that you do want to have some control over the information that leaks out of building. Um, It's just not a good look. It's not a good look. I don't think for anyone involved. And um, it doesn't change the fact that what Draymond did is horrendous, Um, you know, but at the same time, you can have two different issues here. And that one being Draymond Green did a horrible thing and who knows what's going to come of this. And then you could also have at the same time, say it's not good to have your organization have members within it that you can't trust. Um, but there's also a possibility that you can't trust everyone because again, uh, what I just learned is that the NBA also has access to these videos. So there is a possibility that the leak uh, came from there.
0: Now, Draymond Green did have his, his press conference to kind of address the media after this entire situation. We learned that he'd be taking some time away from the team, distancing himself, whatnot. Uh, you know, and to me, in everything that I read and heard about the presser, it seemed like Draymond very much owned up to the situation. What was your read? How do you think Draymond kind of handled himself during that presser a- addressing everything you know, in a formal aspect?
2: I think he said the right things. Um, he did seem contrite uh you know he he apologized um I I I think he did everything he could initially um but this is telling of something bigger I mean if there wasn't if there wasn't a track record of this I think forgiving him would be a lot easier um but he's had anger issues over the years he's had control issues in terms of his emotions over the years uh, the why of that is a mystery I mean you know I I I it could I don't know if it's something medical I don't know if it's Ego, um, who knows? But I, I, it's, it's fairly obvi- obvious now and, and evident that he crossed a very serious line. And, you know, and when you look at bigger picture, it's like, okay, let's say the Warriors decide we're done. We're going to move on. Like, is it okay for another team to add him? Like, are we forgiving him if he starts afresh with a new team? I mean, I, you know, like, like how long should the punishment go? I mean, is, is, is this like a crime that we should hold over his head for the rest of his career? I mean, is there a certain point where we forgive him? I don't know. I do think he said the right things. Um I think ultimately it comes down to whether or not Jordan Poole is going to forgive him. That's really the biggest part here. Is is how does Jordan Poole feel about this? Right now what I've heard is that he's unhappy. Um but that doesn't mean he won't forgive him. But if Jordan Poole decides, you know what? I don't I am not I don't want to forgive him for this. This was a horrible thing he did to me. Um I think you have to support Jordan Poole and you have to kind of move on from from Draymond Green at that point. Um there's, I don't see how you can think otherwise. I mean, what, what Draymond Green was literally assault. You know, it was literally a assault. I know this happens in pro sports a lot. There's a lot of testosterone going on with these massive, you know, physical specimens that are professional athletes. But um, this doesn't happen regularly for a reason, for a, re- yeah, for a reason either. And if Jordan Poole decides, because he's on the verge of a huge contract extension as well. He's the future of the Warriors. And if he decides I don't want to play with Drummer and Green anymore, they're going to have to move on. They're going to have to. I don't. I don't see there any other way of this moving forward. All
0: right, Cyrus. Last thing that I got for you here: the Warriors. They finally took the court after all of de- you know dealing with all this drama through through Friday, Saturday, Sunday through the weekend. They took the court. Preseason game against the LA Lakers, they wound up losing 124 to 121 in this game. How did they look though when they took the court? You know how, what were what were the kind of the feelings, the emotions after the game? You know how how much of how many of the questions were just all still centered on the Draymond stuff? Is it still? I mean, obviously it's probably still lingering on everybody's minds. But how did how did Jordan Poole look taking the court? You know did you know in in all how did the Warriors kind of feel out there? You know did they look themselves?
2: They absolutely did. I thought they looked fantastic. Jordan Poole had a great game. Uh, I don't know if, if you're aware of this, Jackson. Did you know that they give out a, an award for uh, having the highest free throw percentage in the NBA the previous year? It's I did a, not know that. It's a tro- I think it's a new thing. I, they did it during pregame, the pregame ceremony. Stephen Curry gave it to Jordan Poole. It's a trophy. Uh, it, I think they have awards like this in hockey for like the most points scored in a season. So there's a there's a trophy now. There's a trophy. I still don't know what the, 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 the formal name of it is. It's the highest free throw percentage trophy. So Jordan Poole got that before the game. Again, I never heard of it in my life. But, uh, but then Jordan Poole had a fantastic game, man. I mean, it, you could tell. So I think he got hit in the right eye because you could tell that it looked a little discolored there. Um, but he doesn't look bad. He performed great. I thought James Wiseman played phenomenally. I thought Jonathan Camiga played phenomenally. The only thing the Warriors did bad in this game and losing their first preseason game of, of the preseason started to be redundant is that um, their defense was horrible. They gave them 124 points. Uh, if anything, I thought the Lakers looked good. Um, Lonnie Walker, the fourth looked good. Uh, I forgot the name of the rookie they They drafted their first, their, their rare draft pick. He looked good. Um, the Lakers looked great. Anthony Davis ate him up. A- and I don't think that was that had anything to do with bad defense from the Warriors. I think Anthony Davis just looked like, you know, one of the NBA's top 75 players. Um, but the Warriors look good. I, I mean, I, w- I was paying attention to that. There were not a lot of questions uh, uh, geared toward the topic of Draymond Green. Um, Steve Kerr was not asked any questions about it. Neither was DiVincenzo or James Wiseman. Looney was asked one question about it, and that's when Looney said that um, they have not spoken, and he referenced that trust was broken, and which again you don't hear. Yeah, you know, I've never heard that before. So, um, yeah, the t- It's I think that the teams sent a pretty clear message we don't want to talk about this so reporters are being cognizant of that um but it's it's lingering man it is lingering and ring night is going to be very fascinating because if draymond green plays is this arena gonna boo him i don't know i find out and see (laughs) that's all i can say about that
0: Oh, man. How, how will the Warriors navigate this entire situation? Will they ultimately be forced to choose between Draymond Green and Jordan Poole? Of course, you'll have us covered for all of that and more over at Locked On. Warrior Cyrus, I appreciate you stopping my Locked On NBA with me.
2: Love you, man. Thanks.
0: Coming up, Scoot Henderson versus Victor Wimbenyama. What stood out watching the consensus top two picks of the 2023 NBA draft go head-to-head in a pair of exhibition games in Las Vegas. We're going to get there in just one moment after a quick message from my friends over at BetOnline, because BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your football betting info and odds this season. Find out the latest player developments, league reviews, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every single game that you can get your on. On and right now, you can actually head over to Bet Online to find out who are the odds-on favorites to win the 2023 NBA title. The Golden State Warriors still at the top of the pack despite the Draymond Green situation. Golden State Warriors at plus five seventy-five. Boston Celtics right there in second place at plus 625 as favorites. Milwaukee Bucks at plus 700. And then rounding out the top five, you have the Brooklyn Nets and the LA Clippers at plus 750 apiece. So for all of that and more, be sure to head over to Bet Online to learn more about the trends and action available to you. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. And final segment here at Locked On NBA Monday. As always, we appreciate you for making Locked On NBA your first listen each and every day. Joining us now is Rafael Barlow from Locked On NBA Big Board. You can follow on Twitter at Barlow500. Rafael, you were in person for this marquee matchup between Victor Wimbanyama, Scoot Henderson, and we're going to dive into a little bit of both these prospects, the two kind of consensus guys at the top of this next year's NBA draft, some, you know, really, really impressive prospects. We're going to talk about their game and all that, but I just want to know what was, first off, what was the atmosphere like kind of heading into the first matchup between these two prospects
1: uh, this past week? The atmosphere was, it was different. It was like an atmosphere that I've never experienced before. And I, Probably can say the same for anyone else that was there. I mean, it's, it's an exhibition game. It's a showcase game. It's kind of like in the middle of the Europe—not the middle, but it's it's during the European season. It's like way before preseason, and it was like this game that you know you had these two hyped prospects. But rarely do we ever see like anything live up to the hype, and it succeeded So like before the game, it was just tons and tons of front office personnel and scouts. And um it was definitely a pro scoot crowd. So um as you can imagine, you know, the game was in Vegas. They the Ignite plays in Vegas. Did have quite a bit of uh friends and family there. And so it was definitely at least to 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 from my experience was a pro scoot crowd that people were very skeptical about when Bayama coming into the game. You talk about
0: living up to the hype, right? When you look at just the way that these two guys went at each other, Scoot versus Wimby. I mean, that first game, Wimby and with 37 points, had four boards, five blocks, seven made three-pointers. And the Scoot Henderson, 28 points, five boards, nine assists. I absolutely agree. I think that it lived up to the hype kind of going into this. And it was a unique kind of environment to have the, you know the consensus top two prospects in kind of this exhibition style game against one another because you've got uh wimbinyama playing for metropolitan you've got scoop playing for the g league ignite so there are no like i guess uh there's no red tape right for like the ncaa or college or anything like that it's just all right we're gonna sit down we're gonna coordinate these two games and outside of this just when we look at Wimbenyama as a prospect I don't think the NBA, we don't, we've never seen a guy like this. So I want to give you a kind of a fill in the blank here, Raphael. When, when Midyama has the chance to be
1: blank, there's no limit, there's no limit to his, <laughs> his potential. May, we've never seen anything like it, like you said. So it's kind of like, how do we even put a cap on, on what, what he can be? And of course, with any prospect, and not just because of his, his frame with any prospect to live up to the hype as far as like you know having a long career in order to be one of the greats you have to play a lot of years i mean if you think about it lebron is at like 20 years kareem played 100 years you know kobe played what's 20 years so in order to be like in that category you usually have to play 20 years which is an outlier. I and mean, of course you got your, your Michaels and your magics and your birds to play less than that, but they won a significant amount of championships. I mean, almost like maybe 40% of their <laughs> seasons ended with a championship at, at worst. So, um, but I mean, just far just like individual talent. I don't, like I said, we've never seen anything like it. So it would be tough to just put a, a ceiling on what he can be. I mean, seven, five, which he's, you know, he measured seven, four. But you play the game with shoes on. (laughs) So on the court, P75, eight-foot wingspan. He can handle. He can shoot. He can make shots. Doesn't really need anybody to set him up. And, I mean, there's so much to his game. And then there's also, like, different parts of his game that I feel like we didn't really get a chance to see in this showcase. So sky's the limit.
0: What, what specifically, if there's like one specific part of his game that you don't think he got a chance to kind of showcase in these couple matchups, what, what would that be?
1: Being a vertical lob threat. I mean, he probably caught a couple lobs, but the first game, if you notice, they were like trapping him because his point guard is small. And it, it kind of shows why you don't really see small point guards in the anymore. And when they trapped him, and, and it's no knock on Tremont who's a very good score. But when they trapped him, it was taking the lob away from, from, he had one early in the, I want to say in the first quarter of the first game. And after that, he had to get his points by popping out. So it was just all pick and pops. And I think like in the NBA with floor spacing, when you have, you know, guys around him that are known for knocking down shots and you have a big point guard that can see over the top of the trap. And then you can throw the ball to, a level above the rim that only he can get to. I mean, he's not, you know what I mean? Like if you, if you throw the ball up 14 feet, he can do it. He has an eight foot wingspan and he's athletic on top of being seven, five. So I just say like, imagine him, you know, with where you have the threat of him being like this super vertical lob threat. And that's something that we didn't really get a chance to see.
0: Well, talking a little bit, we'll, we'll change gears. here. talking a little bit about small point guards. Scoot Henderson, who had, again, a fantastic game. I thought he really, he came out. This was like his chance, right? To, I mean, women, Yama Mm -hmm. is kind of, it's, I can't say kind of is consensus. Number one, Scoot was coming out, you know, trying to bat a thousand to be like, no, like, you know, proving that he deserves to be in that conversation alongside Wimby, right? Not a clear cut one and two, maybe making the case for why he should be the number one overall pick. Um, Who does Scoot Henderson's game remind you of? Because to me, there's like I, I I can't pinpoint maybe one player. The closest I can get is if I like mash up like two or three different guys together. Yeah. And that's what I think of when I see Scoot's game.
1: Yeah, I mean, I see a little Steve Francis. I see some Derek Rose. I mean, I've seen some people compare him to John Morant. I think they're both athletic, but Scoot has more of a controlled athleticism. It's like it's very rare to see somebody that is as athletic as he is and as explosive, but has so much control and pace to his game. It's not like he's just has these relentless drives and assaults to the rim like a John Morant. But it's like it's it's just all under control and and out of the, all the point guards that I've seen him compared to, I don't think we've seen a better point guard as far as shooting at the same stage. And when I say that, I mean like usually guys that are like known for like really being athletic shooting is like the last stage in their development because they're so used to being able to get to the rim whenever they want to on the prep level, even on the college level. And he's an advanced shooter. I mean, the numbers don't support it last year from three shot 21% from three, but he was 17 and he was adjusting from high school to the NBA three point line, but he was one of the best mid range shooters in the G league. So With the year of experience playing with the NBA three-point line and, and the work that he put in, I think by the time he is a rookie in the NBA, he's going to be a plus shooter, which is not something we normally see from really, really explosive athletic guards. Yeah, I think it's when when
0: you're looking at him, right? It's almost like the it's almost like his athleticism at times maybe even overshadows his control, his measured approach to the game. I was actually kind of shocked watching to see, right? I don't think anybody would have been upset with him for just trying to take it to Wimbenyama's chest every single possession that he was in the game, which he did a fair amount. He did a good amount of that, but. Yeah. He also made, like, the right reads, the right plays in transition, setting guys up. Like, he was very much in control, especially in that first game.
1: Yeah, and I felt like both guys came into the game with a little something to prove. And I know for Scoot, it was, all right, we know you can score. We know you're athletic. We know you can shoot the mid-range. But can you knock down the NBA three? And then also, can you show us that you've made improvements and strides as a playmaker and a passer? And I think he did that. And actually... I mean, I, I think if you had to grade him based off of the one game that he played, you'd have to give him an A. Like I don't think there's anything that he could have done better. He got the win, he had nine assists, he took care of the ball, he played under control. I mean, yeah, he did have three of his shots blocked by Wimbayama, but you have to love the fact that he challenged him. And I wanna say he made maybe two or three on Victor. So it's like he shot fifty percent on, on attacking him. But yeah, man, I thought he played Extremely well. It was just unfortunate that they banged knees early in the second game, and we didn't get a chance to see a sequel. (laughs) Because I mean, the first game lived; it exceeded so many expectations. Like I was in France the week before, so I saw Victor play twice. I had a long flight, so I had plenty of time to think about: okay, what is going to happen in this showcase? And you know, usually these showcases don't live up to the hype. There's usually, you know, a dud or guys are pressing. But no, both guys put on a show. So um, Scoot has nothing to be disappointed about as, as far as, like, his plays. Just like LeBron said, Wimbayama's well, an alien.
0: I I wonder if that nickname is going to stick. And I also wonder if Sam Cassell is going to take exception to that nickname (laughs) sticking. Um, I I will say they were called aliens for different
1: reasons.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Last thing here for you, Raphael. but besides, look, we are a long way out from the draft, right? A lot of things can change between now and, and, you know, next year's draft, but besides injury, what would have to happen for Wimby to not be the consensus number one overall pick between now and then?
1: Who chances are slim, really, really slim. I think that, you know, maybe it's a team that feels like it's a guards game. That's the only thing I can think of. A team says, you know, bigs are great, but Scoot is going to be like the quarterback that has the ball in his hands a whole lot more. And he has a better opportunity to control the game, doesn't really need anybody to. Get him the ball. He controls everything just, you know, kind of like your star quarterback. And so if there is that type of mindset and thinking, which I don't think there's anything wrong with it, then if all it takes is one team, to be honest with you. I mean, We saw Anthony Bennett go number one. So all it takes is one team. And if there's a team that thinks that, you know, him as the quarterback could be more impactful, then, you know, there's an opportunity there.
0: How will Victor Wimbanyama and Scoot Henderson look as we progress through this year and leading up to the NBA draft? Who will be the number one and number two overall picks this next year? You're going covered for all of that and more over at Locked On NBA. Big board, Raphael. I appreciate you
1: stopping by Locked On NBA with me. Anytime. Anytime you need me on, let me know. We can make it happen. I love talking draft, so this is fun. That's going to do it for another
0: Monday edition of Locked On NBA. As always, appreciate you for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available on all podcasting platforms. We're also on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search up Locked On NBA. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. But as always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back right here at Locked On NBA, the biggest stories with the local experts.